This is the Reluctant Leader Podcast. The podcast designed to help you step out of the shadows and become an inspirational leader. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and each episode I will be getting to grips with a leadership topic by interviewing an expert in their field. I'll be picking their brains for those golden nuggets that will help you be the best you can be. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing at thereluctantleader.co.uk and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. So let's get on with the show. Today I'm talking to Paul Holbrook, who left a 20-year career in the City of London in mid-2017. He'd had enough of seeing the toxic effects that managers were having on their people and themselves. In starting his own company, he discovered the reason many people fail to become leaders is that they already think they are leaders. Paul is now dedicating his time to helping others understand what they are doing with their time and has created the Diary Detox to give them at least a day back in their diary every week. Really enjoyed this chat with Paul, lots of value. And if you are struggling with your time, then I think you're gonna learn lots of ways of getting some time back in your diary. So I hope you enjoy, and I will see you on the other side. So hello, Paul. Welcome to the Reluctant Leader podcast. Sorry, I jumped the gun there, hello. That's okay. I like someone that's um, that's keen. I am certainly that. <laughs> so thanks for giving up your time um, to join me today. Um, and we are going to be talking about time management, which is obviously a key skill for anybody in a management leadership position to make sure that they're using their time as efficiently as they can. So as far as you're concerned then, Paul, um, the first thing I always ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, why do you do what you do? And what was the pivotal moment that um, made you make the decision to do what you do? Where did it all begin? What was the moment? So I, the, the, the moment was walking down uh, Bishopsgate in London. Um, I just travelled into work on the train um, and it was, oh goodness knows how many, probably the 7,000th or 14,000th trip I've done, I'd done like that over 20 years. And um, I... As I looked around, um, the thing is, normally when you walk down the street on the way to work, you're you're looking at the floor and you're not really thinking about anything. And for some reason that morning, I was looking up and I was looking around and all I could see were miserable people. (laughs) And I thought to myself, why are these people so miserable? And it was at that moment that I kind of realized that actually I was one of them. I was really miserable. I, I, I didn't want to be in the city anymore. And it had been happening over many years, I, I later realised, but I hadn't quite twigged until that very moment. So as I looked around, I, I thought to myself, well, why are people so miserable? And if you think about over the last 20 years when I was in the city, a lot of money has been spent on management and leadership development. And I sat there and thought, well, if this amount of money has been spent on management and leadership, why have we got no more leaders today than we did 20 years ago? And I tr- truly believed that. And I surmised it was because managers just didn't care. They didn't care about their people. And as I walk past these doors of people sharing cigarettes and people having conversations, you, you just get a snippet of the conversation as you walk past. And they were invariably talking about their crappy managers. And they were invariably talking about how somebody had stabbed them in the back at work. And I just thought, this is terrible. 
So at that moment, I decided that I was going to leave the city. And given that so much money had been spent on management and leadership, I decided I was going to start my own company, but I was actually going to leave the city. I was going to go and start um, a leadership consultancy, let's call it, and it was going to be focusing on people who couldn't afford to not be a good leader, and that was small businesses. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately why I now do what I do. But, of course, it's kind of morphed quite a lot since then. Uh, yes, and, and I think that's, that's, a, that's an important thing to remember, is that what we set out to do in the first instance tends to be, as you say, morphed into something quite different because we get more focus on exactly what we want to deliver. Um, and, I, and I think um, your your diary de- detox product uh, that wasn't initially what what sort of what you started with. Is it? Am I right in thinking that? <laughs> you are one hundred percent correct. Yes. <laughs> no, I I started off by trying to help people develop their leadership, and, and there are lots of leadership development companies out there. That wasn't really what it was about. It was about inspiring people to lead to see the benefits of leadership. Mm-hmm. But as I started to talk to people about that business. Um, I got some really curious responses and invariably the response would come back, oh, that's really interesting, but I don't have time to talk to you about that Mm. or I'm too busy to talk to you about that. And I thought, oh, okay, then that's quite an interesting take on it. Um, Right. And then eventually I thought, well, maybe maybe it's the wording I'm using. And so I started talking about leadership development. But people kept saying, yeah, I haven't really got time to talk about leadership. I'm, I'm a bit too busy to talk about leadership. And I thought, how can you be too busy to talk about leadership? I mean, that's one of the fundamental qualifications of being a great leader. You <laughs> yes. to talk about leadership. And I didn't have an answer to it. Um, or sorry, the answer that I had was, well, when you do have time, let me know. I'll be here. And of course, very few of them ever did come back and talk about it. So I thought, well, okay, I'm not sure if this is really true, whether they don't have time or whether or not they're just using it as an excuse. Mm. I remember back to probably around around about 10, 10, 10, 11 years into my career, and I went from running a a team of 15 up to a division of 350, and that was quite quite, quite a step up. But at that point, not a week would go by when people wouldn't say to me, I don't have time to do what you're asking me to do. And I had a really simple two-step process that I would take them through. And so I started using that. When people said, I don't have time to talk to you, I thought, well, how about I give you back some time and then we'll talk? And this seemed to catch people's imagination. They kind of said, what do you mean you're going to give me some time back? How are you going to do that? (laughs) And over the next two months, I got a really interesting insight, A, into people's diaries, but probably more importantly, into the reasons that people give for the things they have in their diary. And if you remember back to what I said a moment ago, I left the city because I just thought that managers didn't care about leading and and, and I kind of lost faith and that's why I left. Mm. What I realized over those two months of starting to do those those two-step process with people was that it wasn't that they didn't care about leadership. I realized that the majority of the things people fill their diaries with, they think are leadership. They thought it was leadership. And I sat there and thought, Hang on, they think going into back-to-back meetings, uh, you know, working crazy hours, not spending any time with their family and friends, taking on tasks because it's, in quotes, just easier if I do it myself, they honestly thought that was leadership. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. Well, I can see that's not leadership. How can I get them to see that it's not leadership? Because you can't tell somebody it's not. They have to see it for themselves. Yeah, yeah. 
And I added three more steps onto the first two steps. And that was genesis of the diary detox. Right. Yes. And, and also, I, I noticed that you use this hashtag, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> I, I, and obviously, that resonates with me as well. Is, is it is, what, what are you doing? And, and I guess and the next question is, uh, why are you doing it? Absolutely. It, it's interesting because although all of the all of the marketing and you know, like, like say the hashtag is always talking about time. Um, time isn't really the greatest thing you get back from it. it, it it's that you get a fundamental view and insight into the value of the things that you're doing every day. Mm. And it was, a, it was one day when I was, I went running and I was trying to think about this strap line that I could use for this product. And I, and of, of course I, I was just running along and I was thinking to myself, my goodness, you know, you're doing all this stuff and you think it's the right stuff. And then there's this thing there that can help you. And what are you doing? And it, it was like that was the moment I thought, oh my God, that's it. What are you doing? Because I think when I've ever looked at people who are in a situation where they're not leading or they've got, you know, no time left to do anything of value to them, that sometimes you just look at them and you go, what are you doing? And and, and, and that's kind of what it was all about. And, you know, depending on where you put the intonation in, in the sentence, it can be yes. the same thing. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, it is all about why you're doing it. And as mm-hmm. I said, I, as I got that insight into people's diaries, it, it, it showed me very clearly that people thought they were getting value out of the things they were doing every day. Whereas when the, the feedback I now get and indeed, I, I did a course last um, Wednesday at Calcot in Tetbury. Um, one of the follow-ups I did afterwards, they turned and said, my God, it's amazing. I went back to work the next day and I was consciously aware of everything that I was doing. And I actually became really respectful of my own time. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the key thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's highlights, I think, one of the, you know, it's a process you go through and you highlight the habits that you've got into, that you've mm. accepted as the norm, as if the things that you should be doing but when you actually take a step back and look at all this stuff uh, and, you know, look at your diary and think, well, what's in it? Why is it there? Uh, and, you know, what's it, what's it serving? Who's, who's it serving? Absolutely. And more often than not, it's, it's, it's serving who, well, <laughs> bizarrely, it's serving who you think you need to be. And the thing is, it's, it's not their fault. You know, we, we're never taught any of this stuff in school. We're not taught it in college. It, you know, it's an extremely valuable skill to learn how to use your time effectively. Mm-hmm. But we don't. And, and the people that we learn it from are the people that we grew up working for, and they weren't taught it either. So yes. this is my attempt to, um, I suppose give people a process that allows them to reprogram their automatic and default instinct to yeah. just go wherever their diary tells them or go wherever somebody else says they need them to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, it's such a relevant point with what is our experience when we've, when we've been, you know, previous jobs and how we've been taught. Um, I know uh, my background is a family business. I spent a lot of time working with my father who, um, well, unless he saw you doing something, then, you know, he, that's how he judged you on how busy you were. Um, and thinking time and planning time weren't really regarded as proper work. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, I come across that a lot with, um, 
with the clients I work with. And it's, it's, I think it boils down to the fact of where, you know, um, knowing where you're going uh, and what you're actually trying to achieve. And, and, you know, it's the old adage working um, on your business rather than in it. And it's so easy to get sucked into that. Well, I'm going to do that today. And the end of the day, I'm going to be busy. I go home and I'm going to be tired and I've, yeah, and I've done lots of work. But when you actually look at it, are you actually doing the things that you should be doing? Uh, and, and are you falling back into that comfort zone of the things that you, you, you know how to do um, and you'll, you'll, you'll feel that you've justified your existing existence by just the fact that you've been there uh, and you've been busy? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think when, you know, I, I, as, as I mentioned a moment ago, when I, when I turned the, the two steps into five, um, the first two steps were really about showing somebody what they were doing. Um, the last three, uh, interestingly, you just said that, were, were actually more focused on showing you what you should be doing and matching up the two. And it's incredible when, when people go through the process, when you show them what they have been doing, and again, it's not me showing them what they're doing. I'm just giving them the tool. They're making all the decisions. They're, they are assigning um, the, uh, they're, they're the one that's assessing the value of what they're doing. And they say, oh my goodness, what have I been doing? And you go, that is what you've been doing. But then once they've done that, it's then this, what should you be doing? And, and it, it's sometimes about just looking at the things that, that's the success criteria of your role. And so showing them what they've been doing is one thing, but then when you show them the difference between what they have been doing and actually what they should be doing, it's amazing how many people will turn around and say, I've never thought of my job this way before. Mm. It's like, no, we often don't because it is an instinct. It's almost like an automatic reaction. We just get caught into doing the stuff that we thought we should Mm. rather than, as you say, taking some time out to think about what am I really trying to get out of all this? Mm. It's amazing when you do that, how much you find you're not doing. Yes. And, um, and it is so easy to, to, to skip those steps. Um, and to fall into that, well, I, I'm, you know, I've got stuff to go on with. I'll just get on with it, um, you know, and I'll, I'll try and look at that another day or, or tomorrow. But unfortunately, it never comes round, does it? Unless you actually consciously take that step back to do something, you know, like your your, your diary t- detox is. Well, okay, well, how is this working for me? And you know, it's it's so um, so important, but obviously not done enough you know people aren't encouraged to do it by their leaders i suppose um it's almost got to be uh, a culture within a business is that this is what we do we look at our diaries we make sure it's working for us and for the business absolutely absolutely and 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 it's going to start from the very very top yeah and there's no doubt about that um it's interesting actually because i think just when it comes to things like leadership, we've heard the word leadership and management over so many years. I think people are becoming a bit tired of the word. Yeah. And the thing is, it's kind of happening with time management as well now. Um, often people will come back to me and they'll say, well, isn't this just time management? Mm-hmm. And you, you, you kind of smile, smile wryly and go, well, not really. Um, I mean, it, it is, of course, related and, and it's ultimately mm-hmm. Um, directed at time management but time management is a is 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 a set of I don't know ideas proposals um, concepts that you could and the emphasis is on the word could that you could employ and if you do 
you might get some time back. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing with, with, with diary detox is that it's, it's a process. It's a five-step process mm-hmm. that if you do it every week, and it takes somewhere between 10 and 30 minutes. For me, it's 10 minutes because I know what it's all about now. But when you start doing it, it's 30 minutes. If you do those five steps for up to 30 minutes once a week, you will get back at least a day a week in your diary. You will get it back. Yeah. It's not, you could do this in your mind. This is if you do this, you will. Yeah. So, we've, we've, so you've mentioned a couple of things about, you know, the, the, the commute and all that stuff and also going to um, meetings, maybe um, meetings that are seen to be a waste of time. So what, what are the other typical things you see people are spending time doing that they are, are quite quickly deciding that they can do without? Well, I've got to say, I mean, the, the, the meetings is a significant part of it. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I'm, I'm sure nobody will be under any um, surprise when I say one of the biggest things I see in there is email. Right. Um, I, I, I recently did a one-to-one. I, I do it as a workshop or a one-to-one, and this particular person wanted a one-to-one uh, diary detox of about two hours. And it, it, it's... I, I, I chuckle because it, it's lovely to it's lovely to see that realization. But what what they realized was that when they did the first two steps, um, and the colours get turned on in their diary, um, it showed them that they were spending two and a half days in email. Ugh. Two and so a half. half day. Almost half the day, half the time. It was half their time in wow. email. Yeah. And what's I mean, I, 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 I still am surprised, but I'm not surprised, but I am surprised that people, when, when they turn it on, they are so taken aback and they go, what? That's, that's, that's half <laughs> of my time. And you go, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's not me telling you you're doing it. You know, I, I just take you through the tool and you make the decisions and that's what it's telling you. Um, and of course that, that, that is a big a big drain on time and there are things that people can do. I, I actually write a blog as well and it's not all about diary detox. It's about, you know, th- th- there's a lot of things you can do to save time, but what I like to focus on are what are the things you can stop doing mm. that save you time. Um, and one of them in, in a recent blog was around email. There is a much better way to communicate with the world that doesn't require you burying yourself in email all day. It takes a huge amount. If you think about it just right now, if we were to try and, summarize the conversation we've just had by writing it down, which is effectively what you do when you create an email, mm. it would take ages to edit it, to make sure that it's coming across in the right way because you lose all of the intonation in the voice. Yeah. And if you can just go over and talk to somebody, you know, I've, I've always had this mantra in the first instance, go and speak to somebody, actually stand up out of your chair and go and speak to them. Even if it means going to the next building, yeah. I was just about to say that it's surprising how many like clients I've come across, which they rely on emails and they are working in, in the same building and sometimes in uh, adjoining uh, offices. Well, I've seen it, they're actually, they're actually in the next desk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was my, that was my biggest experience probably from the city is yeah. that almost like you come into the office, you sit down and you are, it's almost like you're restricting yourself to the only means of communication is going to be whatever's in front of you. And people will sit there for what, four, five, six hours. Whereas I was always renowned for you're never at your desk. It's like, no, I'm, I'm talking to people. Yeah. And that is the most efficient way. Even yeah. if you include the walk to their desk or the walk between buildings, it's still more efficient than writing an email. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, do you think it's a, a part of this is about people needing this like um, audit trail to so so an email they can check through and obviously a conversation you can't record or in most cases you're recording. Do you think that's part of it? People thinking, well, I, I need to be uh, um, have something to refer to um, if this doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, I learned, well, it, it's certainly, I don't think that's the biggest part of it, but it's certainly mm. a significant part of it. And mm. I, I fell foul of that very early in my career. Mm. Um, I, I, I got caught into a, an email conversation because I thought I want to have, I want to make sure this is on the record. And at that time I had a mentor, um, a guy called Ben Whittle. I haven't thought about him for ages actually till just then. Mm. Um, and one of the most valuable things, one of the most valuable lessons he ever gave me was he said, look, it's okay to use email to create an audit trail. He said, but why don't you go and have the conversation with the person mm. and then just use the email to confirm what has been agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And so also I'll just summarize what, you know, just to confirm what you just talked about sort of thing. Absolutely. Because it's quick. You say, look, as, as discussed, this is what we've agreed. Yeah. And that's it. All of the transactional backwards and forwards can happen in person. And, and quite frankly, nobody really needs to see all of that on mm. the audit trail. They don't need to see how hard it was to make the decision. They yeah. just need to know the decision was made. So, yeah, that, that's certainly a large part of it. But I think yeah. one of the biggest parts of it is it's just our automatic behavior. And it's exactly the same with time. Yeah. You know, uh, people today seem to follow their diaries um, with such reverence. It's almost like if a meeting comes into my diary, I have to go to it. Mm. And it's the same. If somebody sends me an email, I have to reply to it. The number of times I would go up to somebody who was like two or three desks away and reply in person to the email I've been sent, that they've been sent, that they've sent me. Right. And I've gone, hello, can, could we talk about it? And they go, oh, 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 okay then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's me. You're weirdo. <laughs> Why, what, why would the hell you want to talk about it for? Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, when you think about it, um, how a conversation, you know, picking up the phone for a five-minute conversation can save so much time because you're waiting for replies and replies might be missed. And, and, and not, not um, to mention the time that is wasted when people are copied in when they don't need to be. Oh. Know, the amount of emails that I get where... I've been copied in for some reason. I'm part of a group and I've got an email that's part that someone's replied to all. And you think, why have they replied to all? It doesn't concern me. You just need to reply to the person that sent it. You know, all that. And obviously it all adds up. But we won't spend too much more time on email because obviously, you know, we've emphasized that. And I think it's, it's an obvious thing, isn't it? So is, is there anything else? Is there anything else apart from emails where, um, our listeners can sort of, focus uh what they're doing there is so um i, I suppose i haven't really mentioned it but I, well I, I suppose i made reference to it but the the reason the diary detox works the way it does is because it gives you a sense not of what you're doing but of the value of the things that you're that you're doing okay yeah um, what's very interesting is the amount of time that is actually spent adding no value mm. Um, and that can be a variety of things. It could be uh, around travel. So that's, that, that's quite a significant one, actually. For some of the small business owners that, um, mm. that I've been doing this with recently, when you look at how much time they spend traveling or going to meetings that they really don't need to go to, yep. um, that actually turns out to be quite a lot of wasted time. Yep. And, there, and there actually are ways of making that time useful 
once you've realised that it's not at the moment. But yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I, tend, I tend to like to to take the train, and you can get stuff done on the train as opposed to the uh, driving, which is obviously a waste of time. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, one of the things I do to to use um, to to use my time more efficiently when I'm driving is I will listen to a to to an audio book. Right. Yeah. Um, because you know we, we can all learn things, and mm-hmm. w- w- one of the key uh, categories that w- that we use within a diary detox is the one around improving and improving isn't just about improving your business or improving others it's also about improving yourself mm-hmm. um, and listening to an audiobook uh, my last one was one called oversubscribed which I found fascinating and I recommended it to lots of people but if I had not realized that I was using that time for no value I wouldn't have tried to change it I wouldn't have listened to that book and I wouldn't have learned something yeah so, yeah so, but, but it's not just about that. I mean, what, what I call floating time, um, traveling does account for a lot of that. Mm. But it's also the stuff that we don't realize we're floating doing. Um, mm. I, I, again, what, what one of the people I followed up with after the Diary Detox on Wednesday, um, they turned around to me and said, well, it was really bizarre. I've got to tell you a funny, funny story. I, I went to make a coffee and this person started talking to me and I realized that they weren't talking to me about anything that I hadn't heard before. And I realized it was complete and utter floating time. And I became really, really protective of my time. I wanted to get back to my desk and carry on working. And it's, it's the most bizarre thing that when somebody tells you that you know, the previous day that they were spending a reasonable amount of their time floating mm. and then their realization afterwards is that they don't want to float anymore. Yeah, they yeah. They're spending two or three hours extra per day doing stuff they didn't get done. Yeah. And it's changed their behavior. It's changed their insights to how they're spending their time. It's, it's, a, it's, quite, it's quite heartening. Yes. Um, uh, and I guess it's, it's about that self-awareness, isn't it? Being aware of um, and having that extra um, awareness of what time is uh, and yeah. how it can... That is what it's all about. That, that, that is it. So when, when we say the, you know, the phrase, what are you doing? That is what it's about. It's about showing you what you are really getting mm. at your time and at that point you can choose not to do anything about it mm. you can choose to be interrupted you can choose to do something that you think is more important but what this is about is it's showing you it, it's giving you all the information you need to go is it really more important mm. and at yeah. that point at least you make the decision consciously rather than automatically that's the important thing is in making conscious decisions around whether this is is effective use of my time and I, and I think um, from the work I've done, um, you, you see people that are particularly good in certain leadership skills. And, and one of the things, obviously, not to forget is, is those relationship um, skills that are so important to get the best out of our team. Um, so obviously, we don't want to discourage people not to have discussions because obviously that leads to better relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about having the right conversations and making them effective, isn't it? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> um, one of the things that um, if, if 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 someone does a diary detox, one of, one of the extra little bonuses, I suppose, they get out of it is something called the spot diary detox. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that they can use if if if, if generally you're somebody who finds it quite hard to say no to people. Um, it's something that you can use within about 15 seconds and you can use it when you're having a conversation. It's quite right. We don't want to stop people from talking to each other, but what we do want to do is we want to get them to think about where the value in that conversation is really going. Mm. And so 
as and when that conversation starts, the five steps of the diary detox, you can go through in your head really quickly. And if you realize that actually the subject of this conversation isn't really adding any value to you or to them, mm. it is about adding it to both, not just to you, because that would be a very selfish position to take. Um, you can realize quite quickly, like this person did, actually, I'm having this conversation, it's not really adding anything. And what they did is they thought, how can I turn this into a, uh, an amber or a green conversation? Right. So these are color coding for diary detox. And they actually took the conversation around to something different that was more about developing that person rather than just talking about the weather or rather than just talking about something that was going on over the weekend. So it, it is, again, about making conscious decisions about what you do with your time, but also even when you're, even when you're headlong into having made that decision to do something, mm. there's always a way to get more out of that, 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 that bit of time that you're taking out of your precious workload. Yes, yeah. And it's interesting because um, my work, as you know, I, I use um, motivational maps and a lot of people that come to work are actually very much what we call friend orientated. So they come to work for connections Mm. And what and what they need, um, a part of what they want from their, their their leader, their manager, is actually just to check in with them so that they actually feel as if they're a person. And sometimes using that conversation just to check in with someone at even before the weekend or after weekend, just to say, well, how was your weekend? Um, and and lead uh, in a leadership position, you need to be aware of that so that you do have that that quick check in how was your weekend how did you oh you said you were going skiing how was it that, that sort of stuff yeah. can actually be really productive because it actually motivates people um so it, it's it's about knowing why you're doing something so Absolutely. if you know that the person you're manage managing is highly motivated by a, a feeling of belonging your time can be used really effectively by spending that little bit of time checking in with them and finding out what they were doing the weekend. It's not wasted time. It's actually productive for both of you. So. Absolutely. And, and, and for me, that, that kind of conversation is what, what, what we would call a, a monitoring conversation. It would be an, mm -hmm. it would be an amber conversation yeah. or an amber activity. And amber activities are those things that can make the difference mm. as long as you do them, but don't spend all of your time doing them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas your green stuff is your, this is the stuff that's going to really add extra value and you, you should spend as much of your time doing that. So it's also kind of, as soon as you categorize something as an amber conversation, you say, okay, this is a good conversation to have. It's necessary to make sure the thing, make sure is a key phrase, review, make sure, understand. Um, but if you start doing that all of the time, it starts to eat in quite significantly and it's probably indicative of other issues if you're having to spend all your time doing the amber stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's all about conscious conscious use of time and understanding the value you're getting from it, absolutely. Yes. And and I'm conscious now that we spend a lot of time talking about the negatives. Um and you mentioned about the green stuff. Um what sort of are the green things that people should be doing um and making sure that's that they've got plenty of it in their in their diary. Well, perhaps if I just put it into context, I think everything that we do in work um, every day can mm. be broken down to one of seven categories. And one of them is the floating, the kind of wasting, not adding value. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is doing, it's quite transactional stuff, and that's red behaviours. It doesn't make it bad, but you don't mm -hmm. want to have too much in there as a leader. Two of those categories, uh, monitoring and directing, are um, what I've called amber behaviour. Those are the things that make sure things stay the same, things stay stable, and you know what's going on, and you're aware of what's going on in the environment. Mm. 
But ultimately, the biggest one is the green one. And green is what gives you growth. Green is what I call leading behavior, whereas yeah. amber is what you call managing behavior. Mm. And when we're leading, it's all about making things better. It's all about improvement. And mm -hmm. if you try and differentiate between people who do managing behavior, I don't want to confuse it with management, yeah. because hopefully all managers would do some element of leading. But if you, can, if you separate managing from leading, there are three things that leading people do that sets them apart. Uh, right. One of which is spending time thinking. And it's yeah. an incredibly underdone thing. Um, if you talk to people and you say, okay, how, how often do you actually just take time out to think about opportunities, challenges that are going on right now, how you're going to overcome obstacles, the future, a future strategy, a vision, who you are, anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how few people actually do it. They will convince themselves that they are because invariably when something goes wrong, they'll say, oh, well, I was thinking about how I could get around it. Yeah, that's reacting. That's not, that's not really thinking. Thinking is something that you do that you're not forced to do. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do, not because you have to do it. Mm -hmm. The thinking is, is, a, is, is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, once you've done your thinking, you then move on to communicating. It's about communicating what you've thought about. And that could be about meeting new people. It could be about sharing new ideas, either from them or from yourself. Uh, it could be networking within or outside your organization. Um, it could be buying somebody into a new initiative that you've thought about. And then once you've done that, once you've thought about something, once you've communicated it to someone, there's only one thing left to do. And that's actually to do it. And that's what you call improving behavior. So actually going and making the decision, implementing the new process, doing some training for yourself, sending your people on training, improving your business, how it works, what it does, who it does it with. And that can even be improving your customers' lives. Those are essentially the three things. Mm -hmm. And when people categorize their time within Diary Detox, they're given the opportunity to decide how much of their time they actually spend thinking, communicating, and improving. And it's a real shame how little of that there really is. A lot of it tends to be doing, which is where your emails come in, mm. writing the document, etc. Mm. Quite a lot of floating coming in and surprisingly not enough managing. Very little time is spent just finding out if things are just okay. Mm. So yeah, those are the more positive things that you can do if you want to get that growth. And if you don't do those things, you just simply will not grow. You'll go backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners will be thinking about those seven things, how they're, <laughs> they're, they're doing them at the moment. Um, and, and, you know, those last three things you talk about, the things that, like you say, grow us into, you know, a, a better leader, a better manager or whatever. They're the things that are so important and so often get, get missed when we haven't got time. So the first thing you've got to do is obviously create some time. And I mean, we all know how to do that now, don't we? Well, we know we've got a better <laughs> idea how to do that. Um, so um, this is a fascinating um, subject and I can talk about it all day, but uh, sadly um, we need to sort of sum things up a bit. Um, um, and I, so I'm going to sort of finish off with just the, the question really that's going to matter to those listening is to what three things and can every reluctant leader do to manage their time more effectively? Well, I suppose it's not going to be any shock that uh, probably the first thing I would say is know what you are doing right now. 
every day. <laughs> that would be the first thing. Um, and, in and, and not just know what you're doing, know the value that you're bringing from those things that you're doing every day. That's number one. I would say number two is know and be abundantly aware of what you should be doing, of what is going to make the difference. What are those things that if you got to the end of the year and you're having a chat with the person that you are most accountable to, be it your life partner, be it your boss, be it the board, be it the shareholders, whomever, if you were going to have that conversation with them at the end of the year and say, I have just smashed this year, what are the things that you would want to be able to say that you had done? And those are the things you should be doing. And they may not be the same as the things that you are doing. So there's no what you're doing. There's no what you should do and should be doing. I think the last one is to, is to, is to know when to say no. It's to start to respect your time. People are very disrespectful of your time. It's usually because you're not that respectful of it yourself. So as soon as you start to respect your time, others will start to re respect it as well. And finding a, an approach that will disrupt that automatic, yeah, okay, I'll help you, whilst completely neglecting everything else that you should be doing, that could actually damage you and also could actually damage those people who you are just blindly agreeing to help. Mm -hmm. There's always a better way. So know what you're doing, know what you should be doing, and know when to say no. And I don't mean in a negative way. No. That's, Paul, that's, that's brilliant advice. Um, and I'm sure everyone listening will do um, those three things. Well, I hope they will do anyway, because it's going to make a massive difference to their, 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 their role. Uh, and, um, and it's about consciously making different things happen and if we carry on doing the same things all the time then we can only expect the same results so thank you very much for your time today um i hope um we maybe can continue this conversation another time but for now paul thank you very much thank you Thank you for listening today. As action leads to outcomes, make sure you make a note to start, stop, or continue doing whatever struck a chord in this episode. Don't forget to subscribe at thereluctantleader.co.uk where you'll find links to all the past episodes, vlogs, blogs, and how you can get in touch with me. Until next time, bye for now. <laughs>